morning. I need to tell you that if you're expecting me to bring something special this morning, we're all in trouble. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can meet our every need. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you here this morning, for you are deserving of our praise. Pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of the surprising findings in the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada 2023 Parenting Faith Report that has recently been published is that parents who rarely attend church are more confident about nurturing their children's faith than parents who regularly attend church. Yes, you heard correctly, you don't need another cup of coffee. Parents who attend church sporadically are more likely to believe that they're doing a good job fostering their children's faith than parents who attend church regularly. Now, how is this possible? Psychologists help us understand this anomaly. There's a theory called the Dunning-Kroger effect, and I quote from his work, he postulates that those who lack knowledge or skill in certain areas tend to overestimate their own competence, and conversely, those who do have skill and knowledge tend to underestimate their competence. Here's another fascinating finding. In the 2021 Multinational Children's Ministry Report, Many children's ministry pastors who we polled said that most parents don't know how to nurture their children's faith. They also say that most parents expect the church to cultivate their children's faith. And even when parents know it's their responsibility, it's a low priority. Is this true? Have Christian parents abdicated their responsibility to nurture their children's faith? And have church leaders fostered a leave-it-to-the-expert mentality and usurped the parents' role? Or has a consumer culture blinded us to our God-ordained roles? Well, we're going to turn to God's Word this morning for some answers, and I'd invite you, please, to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read the first nine verses together. I'll read from the New International Version this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. The most important word we will hear this morning is what we're going to read right now. The rest that follows is simply commentary on God's holy word. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, 
by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Deuteronomy 6 marks a beginning for a whole new generation of people. And as Moses begins to speak these words, I can just picture the people hanging on every word. Because these are the words that form the nation of Israel and guided for generations to come, even up to today. And they are no less essential for you and me. For these words are God's blueprint for passing faith from one generation to the next and to the next. Fast forward to today. As you're sitting here with me now. I just want to ask this simple question. Do you have children or grandchildren or maybe even great-grandchildren? What are their names? Run it through your mind. Picture where they live. What are they doing right now? Now, it's difficult to think if you have more than one child or grandchild of all of them all at once. So think of just one. And turn to the person next to you and just give that person that name, the name of the person you're thinking about. Different generations. My family line goes all the way back to a guy called Adam. And his wife, Eve. And yours does too. I guess that makes us all relatives. But we're not here for a family reunion. We're here to examine God's word and uh, consider its application for us. So the first thing I want to point out this morning is that faith formation involves everyone. The context of Deuteronomy 6 are three little words that we read there in verses 3 and 4. Hear, O Israel. For years I read this passage and missed those three little words. Hear, O Israel. Don't skip over them. 
This is a message for a whole nation and people, not just a targeted segment. It's for the whole faith community. Reaching and equipping successive generations to love and live for Jesus involves everyone. No exceptions. It includes youth with younger siblings, young adults at university, empty nesters like myself, senior citizens, adults without children, and the pastors and leaders in the church. Everyone has a part to play. God never intended for children's faith formation to be the sole responsibility of their parents or grandparents. We're in it together. It's not someone else's job to connect children with Jesus and his story. God needs you and you and you. And you. And so I just want to ask this little question Are you connected with a child here in your church at Grace Church? According to the evangelical polling firm, the Barna Group, the largest Christian polling firm in the world, children are three times more likely to read the Bible independently, to obey the scriptures, and rank church attendance as the high point of their week when they have meaningful relationships with one or more adults in their church. Wow. It's not programs that change children's lives. It's people. People like you and me. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone. Second thing that I see in the text is that faith formation starts with me. The object of the Deuteronomy passage is our hearts. In verses 5 and 6 we read, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now the biblical definition of the heart, in most instances when that word is used in the scriptures, means the totality of my being. Everything that makes me who I am. It's more than our emotions. It includes our thoughts and our desires and our affections and imaginations and our reasoning powers and our intentions. To love the Lord our God with all our heart is to love him with our emotions, our intellect and our will. With everything that makes me me. I like how Eugene Peterson puts this verse in the message. He says this, he says, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts, get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. If God's word isn't branded on my heart, on the totality of who I am, 
There's no way I can impress it on a child's heart. But when my faith is authentic, it endorses what I teach my children and grandchildren. Listen up, mums and dads. The best gift you can give your children, the best gift, is your love for Jesus. Wondering if you've got your phone today. I know you're usually told to turn it off and put it away. Take it out. And I want you, <laughs> I want you just to type a note to yourself that you send to yourself. If you don't know how you to do that, send it to your spouse. And simply text in there, the best gift I can give my son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter, put the person's name in, the best gift I can give, name of the child or grandchild, is my love for Jesus. The best gift I can give, the name of the person you're thinking of, is my love for Jesus. I, I'm a visual learner, visual written learner. So if I send that text to myself, when I receive it later, it imprints it in my mind. I want you to receive that important message a little bit later and be reminded of how important it is to love Jesus. So... Faith formation involves everyone. It starts with me and you. And thirdly, faith formation is a journey. The outworking of the Deuteronomy passage is a process. Verse 7 says, impress them, speaking about the scriptures, impress them on your Children. The New Living Translation translates that verse, repeat them again and again to your children. Again and again. Faith formation isn't a one-off exercise, nor can it be compartmentalized. Faith formation is a 24-7 undertaking. It's ongoing. Now, my youngest son, Jonathan, who happens to serve with me at Scripture Union, will soon be in his 30s. His older siblings will soon be in their 40s. And my three children and their tremendous spouses have blessed me with 11 grandchildren, as we already heard. And my wife and I are sort of empty nesters. I say sort of because my mother-in-law who will be 95 this year, has lived with us since my father-in-law died 29 years ago. But here's the thing. Our God-given responsibility is to foster our children's faith formation until we die. It didn't stop when they left our home. Karen and I are obligated for the rest of our lives to equip and encourage our children to follow Jesus. There's no retirement to passing on our faith to our children. We're to do it naturally and normally. 
whenever and wherever we can. Now, I like the way Moses describes the process in our text. He uses opposites, sitting and walking, lying down and getting up, to indicate that any time is suitable for talking about the Lord. Fostering faith formation shouldn't be complicated. There are three simple things that we can all do that are right here in this passage. Number one, we can talk about Jesus and his word in the home. Now, even the busiest of families sit down to eat together. Research indicates that when families eat together at least five times a week, they build strong and enduring bonds. If you're in a home where people dash past meals and see each other with a sandwich in hand and do not sit down to eat together, change that. Prioritizing table time nourishes our children physically and spiritually if we add the right spiritual elements to it. As my children would tell you if they were here, It was at the table that we grappled to understand and develop a biblical worldview that we could stand by and live by. It was at the table that we worshipped the Lord as family every day. Second thing that we can all do is talk about Jesus and his word in the car. Now, I know you didn't read in the car when we read the text. It said, while you were walking along the road... How many of you walk to church today? Okay, one. Very good. I love walking. But most of us are traveling in a vehicle together. What I like about traveling in a car together is that my kids or grandkids are a captive audience. They can't escape what I want to talk about with them. It's a wonderful opportunity To share what God is doing in our lives. So use your trips to tell your children about what God God is teaching you. To ask questions, to, to debate issues of faith, and even to pray together. Of course, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. The third thing that I see in the text is that we are to talk about Jesus and his word in the bedroom. Before we go to bed or get up in the morning are great times for reflection and contemplation. I like what the family ministry specialist Phil Bell says, and I quote, For the most part, children just seem to be more spiritually sensitive and a lot more open at bedtime. So fostering our children's faith formation isn't complicated. We simply need to keep our eyes open for teachable moments and bring faith into daily life. Fourthly, faith formation is deliberate. The requirement of the Deuteronomy passage is intentionality. We have to be intentional. Verses 8 to 9 say, Tie them, speaking about the scriptures, 
as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, devout Jewish people take this text literally. They bind what's called a phylactery around their heads. It's a little box, and inside it, it's got the Shema, that statement, Hero Israel, the Lord is one. And then they nail a mezuzah to their door. It's a little metal uh, thing. And inside that is that same text. Now, I don't think God necessarily intended us to take, uh, to take these verses literally. But the point is this. He does want families to have practices and priorities that deliberately keep Jesus and his word at the forefront of our daily activities. And so another question for you. What are the practices and priorities in your home for impressing the scriptures on your children? Because it won't happen if you're not intentional. I like what the Catholic author Life Kervolt says. He speaks about, in his writings, family life revolving around ritual, routine, and rhythm. His view reminds us that a child's faith formation requires a structured environment. Now, creating a structured environment in the home is essential. If there's disorder in the home, children are focused on survival. But when there's order, children are more likely to reflect on their feelings and identity, which are critical factors in faith formation. So don't compartmentalize faith formation from daily living. Create intentional moments and traditions and experiences that integrate Jesus and his word into everyday, ordinary family life. few implications as we wrap up that I think are embedded here in Deuteronomy. Number one, God wants parents to take the primary role in fostering their children's faith formation. There have been four studies that I know of, there may be others, four research studies that have come up with a very similar figure, and it's this. The average child in North America, Christian child from a Christian home, attends church 1.7 times a month. Added up, that means 24 times a year. In other words, to translate that yet again, the average child has 24 hours of opportunity to be taught in a local church setting. 24 hours, one day. Obviously, 24 hours is not enough To form a child's faith. In comparison, the average parent, be they secular or Christian, has more than 3,000 hours of direct interactive time with their child in a year. I haven't added that up. That's 120-something days in the year of influence and opportunity 
God wants parents to take the primary role in fostering their children's faith formation. Secondly, God wants the community of faith, the local church, to take a secondary and supportive role in fostering their children's faith. I was chatting with your pastor, and I heard that uh, for a number of reasons, post-COVID, he had to help out in the nursery department. Was that right? The one time. Which is probably really good. I like that. But we need you to be committed to the work of reaching and sharing the love of Jesus with the children and youth in your church. Thirdly, God wants us, this is the whole point of this text, God wants us to foster faith formation so that we, our children and grandchildren, will respect and love the Lord as long as we live. Grace Baptist Church, are you hearing God's word to you this morning? It's not enough to hear, you must listen. To listen is to act on what you've heard. So what do you need to act on? What has the Holy Spirit impressed on your heart and mind today? Is there one thing you will do when you leave here? And if so, what is it? Don't miss the opportunity to pursue what God prioritizes. Don't miss out on the wonderful gift of giving yourself for the good of others. Successive generations need you to tell and to teach about the phenomenal works and wonders of the Lord. You know what is, it's like a huge burden on me. It it presses down on me daily. It is such a burden. And it's this. This generation of Canadian children are more disconnected from Jesus, his word, and his church than any previous generation in the whole history of Canada. 87 plus percent of children and youth in Canada have no connection at all with Christian faith. 87%. Don't keep the Lord to yourselves. Don't hinder the children by your inactivity from coming to Jesus. Generation Alpha, that's the children that started being born in 2010 and will go up to the end of next year, they desperately need you to connect them with Jesus and his word. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, a child needs you to help them grow up with Jesus. Share that with somebody. A child needs you to help them grow up. With Jesus. 
I can't stand here and preach this message to you if I'm not doing this. You can't share that with the person sitting next to you if you're not doing it. Because that would make us hypocrites. There's a child who needs you. Don't insulate or isolate yourself from God's purpose for your life. was the name of the younger family member that you thought about earlier? Just bring that name back to mind. I believe the Holy Spirit gave you that name when we got started because each one of us needs to reach one. God wants you to tell the next generation the stories about what God has done in your life. To answer questions about faith. And to live a life of faith. Fostering the faith formation of the next generation matters. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, let's be sure to bring the little children to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We commit ourselves to you. For this purpose, to impress the scriptures on our children and grandchildren. And as it says in Psalm 78, even to those yet to be born. Help us to do that. One child, one youth at a time. Hear our prayer. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to do that now. In Jesus' name.